And you know, there are many people that come up with objections and say, I don't want to be a Christian because I don't want to serve a God who's not fair. I don't want to serve a God who allows suffering in the world. I don't want to be on the side of God that sends sinners to hell. But you know, the real reason why people don't come to Christ is that they love their sin. That's the deep-seated root of the matter. And all those objections are just, just camouflage. You see, at the end of the day, every man gets what he wants. If you want to be saved, welcome. You will be received. If you want your sin, you will have your sin. But to be an almost Christian, some people think they're going to have it both ways. No. You will be worse off following your sin and all eternity without a Savior. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and again we're dealing with the message of God's Word from the pulpit of our Free Presbyterian Church. Today is part two on Paul preaching to Agrippa, the almost Christian, the one who heard the invitation, was convinced of the facts, but in his heart he was cold. He had no real interest in giving his life over, surrendering it to the Lord. And there is the real battle, surrendering your life to the Lord. That's what Christianity demands, because Jesus must not only be the Savior of your soul, but he must be the Lord of your life and he calls you to surrender all to him. Today, we invite you to stay tuned with us right through the program. As we come to that message, we also have a hymn, And Can It Be That I Should Gain An Interest in the Savior's Blood? But we begin with Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, this leads to great assurance because the word surely, surely, there's a certainty here in the soul of the born-again Christian. And this confidence comes from the Lord's dealings with his sheep. He is faithful. He is loving. He is gracious and merciful. He doesn't deal with us according to our sins, but according to his tender mercies. This confidence also comes from the sheep learning to lean on the shepherd. We learn here that the sheep is resolved to dwell in the house of the Lord. There is no safer place for the child of God. This may refer to living close by the tabernacle or continually serving in the temple. Thus, in Psalm 27, 4, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord uh, all the days of my life. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee that he may dwell in thy courts. Now, the language here is obviously taken from the employment of those who had their habitation near the tabernacle and afterward the temple, whose business it was to attend constantly on the service of God 
and to minister in his courts. And if we be a people who look to the Lord Jesus and dwell close to him, we will have this confidence. Now you'll notice here that there is a resolve to fulfill covenant duties. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now this is the true response of the Christian. When confident of the shepherd's love and care, I will come. I will come to God's house. I will go to church under the ministry of his grace. I will attend the place of communion and fellowship with my God. I will congregate with the other sheep. And this assurance is associated with leaning on your shepherd. You are all, and every Christian is learning to lean. Now, there are several commentators that take this as the Christian's resolve. We do not rule out the attending blessedness of eternal life with the Lord, that God given resolve to lean on the shepherd, to resolve to follow him, leads to the very assurance of heaven. And it's those who are living closest to the Lord here on earth that have the greatest and the sweetest assurance of eternal life in heaven. And so let's be busy about this. Let's determine that we will dwell with the Lord here now, today, and each day that we will live in fellowship with him, that we may have this sweet assurance that we will live in the fellowship with the Lord in glory. Thank you for joining with us. May just unite together and, and seek the Lord as we pray together. Father, we thank thee that there is union and communion. There's fellowship with thee here on earth today. And I ask that you will lead every one of your people into a close walk, close fellowship, to abound in the sweetness of the Lord, and that your blessing will be upon our souls. We pray this, and we ask and pray in that name that is above all names of our Lord Jesus. Amen. So we're turning now to our message today, and it is on Acts 26, Paul standing before King Agrippa, and Agrippa's own confession that almost you've persuaded me to be a Christian. Maybe you've been to an evangelistic meeting, to a church service, or someone has talked to you about your soul's need of salvation, and this is exactly where you're at. Uh, you felt some of the tugs of the truth and the claims of the gospel that really convinced you that these things are accurate and true, uh, and there was perhaps even the desire to step forward and to surrender to the gospel of the Lord Jesus and to become a Christian. But you haven't done so, and you are therefore the almost Christian. Well, this message no doubt is for you, and I trust that it will be a word in season, a word that will just strengthen you and bring you to that point where you will step forward, surrender your life, and come to the Savior. So stay tuned as we move now to the pulpit ministry of our church, Acts 26, Paul preaching to Agrippa. Verse 18, you'll notice that this man, Agrippa, needed to have an inheritance with the godly. It says that they would receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith that is in me. That's the Lord speaking to Paul as he rehearses that testimony to Agrippa. Now, Agrippa, as I said, he was 
born in Rome. He was born into the political world. He became and was elevated to be a king in Judea. That was the title that he was given. He was in certainly the top Roman official on Judean soil, and he was a man of great power. He died around 90 AD at 70 years old. And he came to a day when he lost all power. And you know the history of Rome, that the Roman uh, Empire just crumbled into the dust. Earthly inheritances fade away. But there is an inheritance that will never corrupt, that will never fade away. And that's what a Christian has. We are storing up treasure in heaven, where there's no rust, no moth, no thief. And we have an indelible, an incorruptible, an eternal inheritance. Agrippa, he needed that. Now, I want to speak about Paul's methods of persuasion. Obviously, he realized that Agrippa was a man having all this religion and Judaism, and he really faced him with these issues of the gospel. But I want you to notice the methods of Paul's persuasion. We'll go to verse 22, and you'll notice that he pressed upon Agrippa that the Scriptures are true. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. And here you will see that Paul was a biblical preacher, and he took Agrippa to the very prophets that Agrippa knew. He was raised in the Old Testament Scriptures, and Paul took that word, and he pressed upon his heart that Jesus, this living Christ that met him on the road to Damascus, is the Messiah. And he used the Word of God in a very powerful way. It's a very sad thing today that Jews don't read some parts of the Old Testament. By and large, Jews are not allowed to read a passage like Isaiah 53. That is too crammed with the gospel. It's too dangerous for a Jew to read Isaiah 53. And I can just hear Paul quoting verse after verse, gospel text after gospel text, that can unmistakably only be fulfilled in Christ, and pressing it to Agrippa. Of course, Jews today will not read the New Testament. I have known Jews to refuse to even take a New Testament into their hands. Our son Ewan in Toronto works with many Jews, and there was a particular one, his name was Aaron, and he asked us to pray about him. He had given him a New Testament, and he had received that, but somehow the rabbi got a, a hold of, of that, and he said to him, you better give it back. And he gave it back, and he would not read the New Testament. And so Paul pressed upon Agrippa this very truth that the Bible— the New Testament is not a new religion. Christianity is not a new religion from the Old Testament. 
but rather it is the flower that has come from the seed of the Old Testament. The New Testament is the old, fully revealed, fully established, and Christianity is not a different religion, but rather it is the fulfillment of that very word. Now, the second thing that Paul persuaded him with in verse 23, we'll note this, that Christ should suffer. Now, obviously, Agrippa, being the king of Judea, he knew the account of Calvary, the death of Christ, and his resurrection, and all those events. And Paul was setting before Agrippa that Christ should suffer, that it was the imperative of the gospel, that it was the very plan of God. This was not a plan B ditch effort that God sent his son down to be an earthly king, to be ministered to be and crowned by people, and then somehow or other in the madness of men, he ended up being hung upon a cross. No, this was the plan of God. And our Lord Jesus rejected earthly crowns, and he set himself to go to the cross. Oh, the wonder of the plan that God would give his son to be bruised, crushed as our substitute for sin. The worth of the Lamb, that His blood was powerful to cleanse the whole work of redemption, and then the welcome that sinners have to the cross. Agrippa, you're invited to be washed in the blood of Jesus. You're invited to put your hands into the nail prints of the Son of God. You're invited to believe the wonderful truth that our Lord Jesus is the Redeemer of men. But Agrippa, he was almost persuaded, we're told. He did not fully come to believe in the Lord Jesus. Now, I fear tonight that there's many people around us, and some perhaps in our congregation, they hear the gospel clearly. There's nothing new that I could tell them. They know the gospel, but you've never come at the invitation to surrender your all to the Christ of Calvary. Paul preached that Christ must suffer. And then also in that verse, he also preached the resurrection. We'll not go into that tonight. It's well known to us here this evening. But you think of the power of that whole resurrection story. And while many set themselves to defy it and deny it, Yet Agrippa, Jesus is alive. And every man and woman throughout history has had to face this reality. What are you going to do with Christ, who is raised from the dead? He's alive. What are you going to do with him? And by this means, Agrippa was almost persuaded. I want to come to the alarm. Paul said, I would that you were not almost persuaded, but altogether, such as I am. Agrippa knew what to believe but he denied what he knew. The alarm is that an almost Christian is still completely lost. It's like a sinking ship, and the lifeboat is launched. And if the account of the news is that he was almost into the vessel, but he's still altogether lost. And the gospel is God's way of refuge. It is the way of securing and delivering you from death. 
But if you are not altogether in Christ, you're lost. It's like those who watched the building of Noah's ark. They saw the animals go in. They saw Noah and his family go in. They saw the hand of God putting up that door, shutting Noah in. They were all there watching, observing. They were invited, but they never took the step to go in. And all that were outside the ark were totally lost. And the almost Christian will not be almost in heaven. He will be all lost in hell. Worse than that, an almost Christian will be without excuse on the day of judgment because you knew what you needed to do. You knew what was expected of you. You knew the invitation that stood. And Paul said that in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel, you heard it, you considered it, you almost took the step, and now you're going to be judged by the very gospel that you have rejected. Judgment for an almost Christian will also be greater than for those who knew little or nothing of the gospel. The Lord said in Luke 10, Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which had been done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. It'll be worse for those who have had the most light. It will be greater damnation for the almost Christian than the one who never had a Bible in his hand, never heard a preacher of the gospel, never was personally invited or heard a testimony of another Christian. To be an almost Christian will be awful, awful torment. Hell will be filled with deeper agony for the almost Christian. Because every joy of the believer that's in heaven, there will be a corresponding torment. Now, I do not believe that it will be real regret, nor will it be real remorse, nor repentance, but it will be envy. It will be malice. It will be a seething hostility. That Christian, I was almost a Christian. And there is that Christian in heaven receiving all the good things. And what of you, like the rich man in hell, in torment, and to have been an almost Christian, will have made your eternal loss all the worse? Where is Agrippa now? We have absolutely no record of him ever coming and accepting the Lord, neither in the Bible nor in history. He is a warning to us to be warned. The alarm should go off to any that is looked upon as an almost Christian. What was it that kept Agrippa from being a Christian? Well, there was his friends, his political power and fame, his politics, but also his sin. And you know, there are many people that come up with objections and say, I don't want to be a Christian because I don't want to serve a God who's not fair. I don't want to serve a God who allows suffering in the world. I don't want to be on the side of God that sends sinners to hell. But you know, the real reason 
why people don't come to Christ is that they love their sin. That's the deep-seated root of the matter. And all those objections are just, just camouflage. You see, at the end of the day, every man gets what he wants. If you want to be saved, welcome. You will be received. If you want your sin, you will have your sin. But to be an almost Christian, some people think they're going to have it both ways. No. You will be worse off following your sin and all eternity without a Savior. I wonder tonight, will you learn from Agrippa? Paul was faithful to him. We have to say that. There was no resolution of his case. You'll notice down in verse 31 that they conversed among themselves, Festus and Agrippa, when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, This man doeth nothing worthy of death or of bonds. And then, because he had appealed to Caesar, they shipped him out to Caesar. In a way, they just washed their hands of the issue. But instead of washing their hands, they're red with guilt. And tonight, you have a decision to make. Are you going to be a Christian or not? Don't play the game of being an almost Christian. Coming to church, having a Bible, having a few Christian friends, but all the while in your heart, you want to serve your own sin. That should cause the alarm bells to ring. Paul was alarmed at Agrippa's answer. Almost, thou persuadest me. If you're not saved tonight, you should be alarmed and alerted. I think I've tried to be faithful to preach on the side of Paul here tonight. And in fairness, what will you do with this testimony? Testimony is a powerful thing. It's personal. It's relevant. It calls for a response. What will you do? I beg you to believe. Come. Don't be an almost Christian. Be an altogether Christian. Bow the knee and surrender. Give your life totally to the Lord.
Let me reiterate the exhortation today. Do not play the game of being an almost Christian. You have friends who perhaps profess faith in the Lord Jesus. You have parents, family, others, and you're sort of hemmed in because you don't want to offend. You don't want to be going against them and coming under their constant criticism. Therefore, there is somewhat a morality in your life, a clean living in your life, and those things work for good, but they don't save your soul. They don't make you a Christian. They make you an almost Christian, and that is not safe. Paul warned Agrippa very, very keenly, and I need to warn you today that if you're living uh, something of a double standard because your outward conformity that you could be taken for a Christian by someone looking at your outward practices. They would say, well, uh, that's quite in line with many of the things that Christians do, but your heart is still in love with sin. You're in love with your own pride. You want to have the pleasures of this world and indulge in them, and you don't really live a life of real communion with the Lord Jesus. You are not trusting in the blood that he shed on the cross. You are not giving yourself to, in surrender to the Lord Jesus. Therefore, you're not saved. You're not a Christian. You're not born again. And your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. And you can have no assurance of eternal life. Therefore, I plead with you again, do not play the game of being an almost Christian. But be convinced. Come with all your heart knowing that this is right and true and the only way that you will ever have eternal life. I want to be faithful to your soul. I want to be kind. I want to be gracious. I want to be uh, loving. But I must warn that to be an almost Christian is not enough. Paul said that to Agrippa, and I plead with you to surrender your life totally, absolutely, altogether to the claims of the Savior today. Come, Put your trust in him. If I can be of personal help, feel free to give me a call or be in touch. I look forward to hearing from you. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the home page of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one -on -one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 
1-877-90-58 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m. here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music